Hello everyone, hope you had a great weekend. Today is Monday and this is Transformation Radio. My name is Mark Davis and I attend Veritas West as well as volunteer on Mondays at the Refuge Orientation. I've been volunteering for about four months now and have had the privilege of seeing some of you as you enter the Refuge, complete Phase 1 and start Phase 2 and I can honestly say what a change I've seen personally from when you walk in the door of Hilltop Lutheran from orientation to the completion of Phase 1 and to, for, to the point you are now. And it got me thinking, when does this change occur? And, and, and what what happens to that man that came in and, and, and that was like a, just a shell of a man and whose life was on the brink of disaster in, in some of your cases? And and uh, the verse Romans 12, 2 came to mind. And it says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this renewing of your mind, this turning from what you thought were good things to what are good things in, in our lives, from the things that, were, that would hurt us to the things that are beneficial to us, this renewing is, is what is taking place in, in each of you as you begin this journey and are on the journey now uh, through the refuge. And I just wanted to, today being Monday, just want to pray for those guys that are coming into the refuge today that they can begin this journey too and that their minds will be renewed and that they at the end of this 13 month process will be good men of God that we desperately need, uh, especially here in Columbus, um, for the city and just for the gospel itself. So would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you today and we give you praise for all the victories that that you've allowed us to have, Lord. For those guys that are in the refuge already, um, I pray for strength and just just to renew their minds daily, Lord, to remind them that you are the hope and you are the sole source of all our strength, God. And today we, we pray for those uh, guys that are coming into the ministry and, uh, God, that you would just touch them, uh, send the Holy Spirit to them and just... Um, Grab a hold of them, Lord, and bring them in and uh, renew their minds as well. Let them hear the gospel and let them be affected by it um, daily and as they start this journey. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and we give all praise and honor and glory to Him. So guys, thanks for listening. Like I said, today is Monday. Have a great week. Behind the wheel, got my iPhone bumping like. Don't, don't, don't.
the map was set Thought I had it all right till the road went left Spinning out of control in this Coupe de Ville Now I'm sitting shotgun, Jesus take the wheel It's time now to focus in on the reading of the New Testament. And today our narrative comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. As we read here today, we'll see that uh, by describing how their own enthusiasm had incited the Macedonians to give, the Apostle Paul was in effect prodding the Corinthians to rekindle their initial enthusiasm for giving. Paul wasn't naive about human behavior. The start and end of a marathon are much more thrilling than the miles in between. It does take some stubborn determination to keep going, doesn't it? Paul also knew that it took a community to persevere. Just as teammates will cheer their runner on in a race, so Paul was sending Titus and two other believers to the Corinthians to cheer them on. Paul reminded the Corinthians to fulfill the commitment they had already made. They had said that they would collect a financial gift to send to the church in Jerusalem. Paul was sending a few men ahead of him to make sure their gift was ready, so it would be a real gift and not look like people had to give under pressure at the last minute. He was holding them accountable to keep their promise, so that neither Paul nor the Corinthians would be embarrassed. People may hesitate to give generously to God because they worry about having enough money left over to meet their own needs. Paul assured the Corinthians that God was able to meet their needs. The person who gives only a little will receive only a little in return. This is just a principle of heaven. It's the way it works. 
So don't let a lack of faith keep you from giving cheerfully and generously. And as we continue to read here in this passage today, we'll see that Paul wanted his readers to be generous on every occasion as he appealed to the Corinthians to give sacrificially to aid the Jerusalem congregation, he reminded them that God is the source of everything good. Well, believers are called to be generous because of the example of the Lord of life. A stingy Christian <laughs> should be an extinct species. Generosity proves that a person's heart has been cleansed of self-interest and filled with the servant spirit of Jesus himself. That's why acts of generosity result in God being praised. And now let's begin our reading here today in the New Testament. September 7th, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. I, Paul, really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready, as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me, and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, and plenty left over to share with others. As the Scriptures say, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Our reading in the book of Psalms today is from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. We'll see that David was truly sorry for his adultery with Bathsheba and for murdering her husband to cover it up. He knew that his actions had hurt many people. But because David repented of those sins, God mercifully forgave him. No sin is too great to be forgiven. That's the principle we learn here. Do you feel that you could never come close to God because you've done something terribly wrong? 
God can and will forgive you of any sin. While God forgives us, however, He does not always erase the natural consequences of our sin. David's life and family were never the same as a result of what he had done. Although David had sinned with Bathsheba, David said that he had sinned against God. When someone steals, murders, or slanders, it's against someone else, a victim. According to the world's standards, extramarital sex between two consenting adults is acceptable if nobody gets hurt. But people do get hurt. In David's case, a man was murdered and a baby died. All sin hurts us and others. But ultimately, it offends God because sin in any form is rebellion against God's way of living. When you're tempted to do wrong, remember that you'll be sinning against God. That may help you avoid the danger. God wants a broken spirit and a broken and repentant heart. You can never please God by outward actions, no matter how good, if your heart attitude is not right. Are you sorry for your sin? Do you genuinely intend to stop? Well, God is pleased by this kind of repentance. Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 24 and 25. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul.
Excited to be here. My name is Michael Jr. I'm gonna do some jokes. I love Gateway Church. If I lived in Dallas, this is the church that I would go to. Like for real, I love this church. Um, 
just so happens um, I live in Dallas, and this is the church I go to. So that works out just fine. I'm glad, too, it's a cool church because I used to go to churches. Like recently, I actually went to a, a church. You ever go to a church and they have um, those people with the white gloves and they won't let you in when people praying? Like they literally, the ushers, if people are praying in a the church, they won't let you in. They'd be like, wait, they're praying. I'm like, well, I don't even understand. What is that about? Like, is God losing focus because people walking around? I don't understand what. That's really weird to me. That's just a random thought that I have sometimes. I do that sometimes, these random thoughts. Two days ago, I met a white dude named Tanner, and I looked at him, I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm excited, all the other campuses, what's up, I'm glad you, listen, I want you to know I'm really, like we're really connected, like I see you there. I know with some people on Overflow too, and um, you can get here earlier. But I see you, like for real. Like I see you guys, for real. North Fort Worth, everybody raise your hand. Go like this. See, I see you. Your hands, a lot of white hands. I see them, they're right there. I see you guys. I'm excited. I do love this church. I get to hang out with uh, Pastor Rob. I got to tell you guys a story, what happened with me and Pastor. This is a true story, 100% true. Me and Pastor Robert got pulled over by the police. <laughs> like for real, like he was driving. Let me tell you what happened. So we went out, we were, we were hunting, right? And um, he looks up in the rear, we're coming back from hunting, and he looks up in the rearview mirror and he sees the police are behind us. I saw him six miles earlier. I just want to point that out. <laughs> like I saw him a long time ago. This dude just now catching on to the fact. And I'm doing all the math, right? We just got back from hunting. There's guns in the car. We got some blood on our clothes. I've seen this movie before. Let me, let me pull back, though. Let me pull back. Uh, we went out to eat one time. Me and Pastor Robert went out to eat. And he asked him, uh, right before we got ready to eat, like, he's eating. I was like, dude, we should pray. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. We pray. I'm just playing. <laughs> so he takes the saw. In case you don't know, Pastor Robert is the lead pastor of this church. Anyway, he takes the saw beforehand, and he sprinkles it on his hand. Then he sprinkles it on his food. I'm like, dude, why you do that? I don't understand why you do it. He's like, well, I want to see how much salt is coming out. I was like, well, how can you see? You white. He was like, how do you see the pepper? I was like, huh. Well played, my friend, well played. So I do different jokes. I just want you to know, I do comedy about different nationalities. I think the more we can laugh at our differences, the less important they become. I just, I really think that. Um, And I want to be clear, I'm not racist. I want to be clear, I'm not racist. In fact, some of my best friends are black. I just want to point that out. So, sometimes white people will do stuff to try to prove to me that they're not racist, which is really weird because why are you doing that? I had a dude walk up to me one time. He was like, hey, Michael Jr., I just want you to know, just so you know, uh, I'm colorblind. I don't even see color. I'm colorblind. I was like, really? Huh. Why are you telling me? Before I go any further, I want to explain to you guys how comedy works. I want to explain to you how comedy works. Some comedians know this. A lot of them don't. They just do it because they don't know what's going on. I feel like God has given me the math on how comedy works. I want to share with you. This is how it works. First, there's a setup, 
and then there's a punchline. Let me explain. The setup is when a comedian uses his talents and resources to seize any opportunity to ensure that his audience is moving in the same direction. The punchline occurs when he alters that direction in such a way that was not anticipated by the audience. When you catch on to this change, you have received the punchline. The results are revelation, fulfillment, and joy expressed through laughter. I just thought I'd share that with you so you can enjoy these jokes on another level. <laughs> I've known this for a while. Ever since I was a kid, I noticed that I was different in the way that I thought, the way that I processed things. I actually remember thinking for the first time. I'm not saying I never had a thought before that. I'm just saying I remember when I was thinking, wow, I'm thinking. <laughs> Let me explain. I was in the fourth grade, right? Um, I'm in the fourth grade. Mr. Coleman, our teacher, is up at the, at the board. and He's writing something on the board. Mr. Coleman, um, he was a little swollen. He was a little swole, right? And I remember because he had on a, a striped shirt. It was like vertical stripes. And every time he would exhale, it would look like somebody was trying to break out of jail. Every single time. It was like... <laughs> and I remember saying, wow, Mr. Coleman... It's really big. I remember saying that, and I was like, oh, no, I'm about to get kicked out of class. But I didn't get kicked out of class. You know why? Because I didn't say it. I was thinking it. <laughs> it was so cool. I was like, I'm thinking, and don't nobody know what I'm saying. This is awesome. I went around school thinking about everybody that day. <laughs> and this whole setup and punchline thing, I've actually operated in it even from the beginning of my career my comedy career. Before I did comedy, I, one of the jobs I had was I worked at a gas station. Like I was a cashier at a gas station, but that didn't mean that I wasn't truly a comedian. Stuff would happen, like this dude came in who clearly had on a hairpiece. I mean, like clearly. I'm just trying to do my job. I'm like, okay, sir, you got a soda pop. Hey, got... The gasoline, $47.19. And um, how are you going to pay? Then this big lady walked in, right? Um, slightly swollen lady walked in, right? Nothing wrong with being big. She had a really, really bad attitude. She came in there complaining. What took you so long to authorize the pump? I can't believe it took you that long. It shouldn't took that long. And I was all panicking. I was like, yo, I'm sorry. I was doing, I had a whole bunch of, then I just stopped and looked at her. And I was like, yo, um, sorry about your weight. So I quit that job, man. <laughs> and they wanted me to get him a two weeks notice. <laughs> I was like, yo, boss, two weeks from now, you gonna notice I ain't been here in two weeks. <laughs> now I get to travel doing comedy. It's a lot of fun traveling, doing comedy. Sometimes I, I used to have to go to small, like I was in Nebraska for some reason. And, um, the plane was small, like we got ready to land, and this is the sound I hear. The plane had a horn. What kind of plane got a horn? And then the airports are odd. 
We went to one airport. We could, I go through the metal detector, right? And I don't hear nothing. Then this lady, security guard lady, looked at me and she said, Beep. <laughs> that was you. I heard you. That was you. She's like, Beep. I'm like, What are you doing? She's like, It looked like you got something. <laughs> so she said they got to use a wand on me. So I spread my arms out. Little dude named Juan came over and started frisking me. Little. So I'm excited, man. I'm blessed to be married. I have some beautiful, amazing children. My wife is phenomenal. I mean, amazing. Because I remember before I was married, dating, that stuff was pretty ridiculous. A lot of materialistic women out there. One woman, like, we just barely dating. Like, we just met, and she wanted me to buy her a coach purse. You know how expensive a coach purse is? So I got her an assistant coach. <laughs> like, it wasn't the real thing, but then the strap broke, and she tried to take it back to the real coach store. <laughs> she got arrested, man. I didn't call her for, she, like, I hadn't heard from her in, like, three to five years after that happened, man. It was like. <laughs> I remember breaking up with a girl once. I just said, hey, Ariva Dirty. She thought I said her weave was dirt cheap. It was really weird. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> I just made that up right now, actually. <laughs> I go shopping a lot. At least for this next joke, that's the segue. <laughs> I'm at this, uh, you ever go shopping at a second chance store? Not a second hand store, a second chance store like Ross or TJ Maxx. The reason I call it a second chance store is because the items there used to be at the mall. But nobody wanted them. <laughs> now they get a second chance at TJ Maxx. You got to be careful when you shop at a second chance store because there's always something a little wrong, just a little wrong. Like I bought a Nike shirt there. The back of it said, just try it, you know? <laughs> like the tag on the back, it said, it said extra medium. That was the size of it. I was like, hmm. I just heard somebody say, that's funny. See if I got this right. Instead of actually laughing, you just gonna announce your reaction? That's how you wanna do it? That's like driving down the street, you get cut off in traffic. You're like, oh, the horn. couple things I understand about women. Well, there's a bunch of things I don't understand about women, but I'm just going to talk about one in particular. I don't understand heels. I don't get it. Ladies, I think wearing heels is like doing drugs. <laughs> Hear me out, ladies. First of all, you do it to get high. <laughs> you feel great while you're up there. <laughs> when you come down, it hurts and you regret it. Yeah, exactly. But and that'll do it for Monday's Transformation Radio.